Tonight, I would love to talk to you about probably my most favorite subject in the scriptures. It is always on my heart. It's something that I experienced personally in my life. And it's something that I grew up hearing a lot about. I heard the words, you need to be born again. Or questions like, have you been born again? Have you had a new birth? At 13, when I was 13, I'll go into this a little bit more later, but I made a profession in my home church that was totally, totally unreal. Nothing happened. I wasn't changed. In fact, when that service was over, that Sunday night in church, when I went forward, cried some tears, I remember the next day going to school thinking in my mind, I hope none of my friends hear about what happened last night. It was totally, nothing happened. People encouraged me to go forward, and I made this prayer, said some words, but I was not saved until 10 years later when the Spirit of God did a work in my heart called New Birth, which changed me forever. John Piper has written a book <clears throat> called Finally Alive. Any of you heard that or read it? I love John Piper. I love to hear him. I love to read his books. But Finally Alive is a book that he wrote about the new birth. And I encourage you, if you've never looked at it, buy it, read it, study it carefully. Because in it, he says some of the similar things that I have been feeling in recent years. I don't hear a lot of talk these days about, have you been born again? Have you had a new birth? Tell me about that new birth. Tell me about becoming finally alive in the spirit, in the spiritual realm. Growing up, I heard it all the time, but I don't hear much today. I hear things like, well, did you believe? Did you make a profession? See, you can make professions, and you can be a part of a church having made a profession and still not be born again, not have new life, not have spiritual life. A lot of the men who wrote comments about John Piper's book said some of the very same things. We're living in a day that we just don't hear much about that. And it's one of the most important doctrines, especially related to our salvation. The subject is regeneration, new birth, being born again spiritually. And it starts besides the election, God's electing and Christ dying, it starts the whole process of salvation. Without regeneration, there is no justification. Can't happen. There is no sanctification. There is no glorification. All four of those major doctrines have to begin with new birth. 
It's monergistic, new birth is. We cooperate in the area of justification. We cooperate in the area of sanctification. We believe justification. We call upon the Spirit to give us strength in the inner man with power so that we might walk in a godly way. We cooperate with that. We cooperate in the area of glorification, but we don't cooperate at all in regeneration. It is monergistic, one-sided, one individual who does that, and it's God. He is the only one that can change a heart and give new life. And when you get to John chapter 3, and I want you to turn there with me. John, it's interesting. In John chapter 3, 1 to 15, we have Jesus dealing with Nicodemus and the new birth. It's also in 1 John 3, 1 to 15. John again is dealing with same chapter, same verses, dealing with the subject. We're going to look a bit at both of those tonight, primarily at John 3, and then we'll move on and we'll look also at uh, 1 John a little bit later in the message. So let me read these verses to you. I'm going to read from 1 to 10. I'm not going to read all of them. We're primarily talking tonight about, you, you could do this message in three parts. You could talk about the necessity of the new birth, the nature of the new birth, and then the evidence of the new birth. How do we know we've had it? How do we know we have been born from above? I'm going to focus tonight, the title of this message is The Absolute Necessity of the New Birth. You cannot enter the kingdom without it. Nicodemus found that out in this passage. So let's look at it, verses 1 to 10. If I was doing all three parts of those or doing a three-part series, we would be looking at a lot more, but we're going to concentrate tonight on the necessity. Get in our minds that you cannot enter the kingdom, no one on this earth, without having had a new birth by the grace of God. So beginning with verse 1, John chapter 3, John writes this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. By the way, that is a Greek name. Interesting. A Greek name, not a Jewish name. But he is a member of the Sanhedrin. He is a Pharisee, as we find out in these verses. A man named, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? 
Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Wow. Here is a man that's one of the 71 on the Sanhedrin with the high priest, chief priests, elders, scribes. Nicodemus is one of those 71. He has been in the word. He believes the word. I think he would say, I I love the word. And he teaches it. And he studies it. And Jesus says to him, you don't know anything about a new birth? All that you are, all that you have, all that you've been doing doesn't mean a thing when it comes to entering the kingdom. In order for you to enter the kingdom, you must be born Again, you must have a second birth. I learned just in the last two weeks, and I told the BFG this a couple weeks ago when I had the privilege to speak in that morning session, that I learned this year in November, my birthday's in November, and I came to know the Lord in November. I was born again in November in Lincoln, Nebraska in 1965. So since John Piper writes about this as finally being alive, now I'm calculating my birthday from 1965, November. I'm only 58. I know that's hard for you to believe, but it's true when it comes to being really alive. Just 58 years. Jesus has some very interesting things to say to Nicodemus. Let's talk about again a little bit about Nicodemus and his arrival. Do you notice that he comes in the evening? He comes at night. A lot of people have wondered why did he choose to come to Jesus at night? John MacArthur says in his commentary the best reason that he can come up with is probably since he's on the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees are all talking negatively about Jesus that he really doesn't want to be seen. But one of the things you see in him is when he comes, he says says some positive things, doesn't he? That's surprising that a Pharisee would come to Jesus and say, look, I've watched you, I've listened to you, I've seen what you've done, and no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He's figured that out. And again, he is a man who is reputable, he's a part of the rulers, the leadership, and yet he has seen something in Jesus that makes him come and makes him say these things. Later, as far as we can tell, later in the book of John, there are two different verses that seem to indicate he did become born again and became a believer. 
He's helping Joseph of Arimathea find a place to bury Jesus. That was very risky for him in the kind of company that he kept. And he also, on another point before that, he stood up to some of the Pharisees that were going on about Jesus and how off he was and how the Pharisees hadn't. He said, look, you guys, you at least need to give him an audience before you make that decision. So many think, and I would agree, that he did become born again. He became a follower of Christ, but he wasn't now. He wasn't because of his Jewish heritage. He wasn't because of his ability to know Scripture and teach it. He needed a new birth. He needed a new birth. Secondly, let's look at the, the um, reaction that Jesus had to him in verse 3. Let me read that again to you. Jesus answered him, and I would think that Jesus is going to be so, so uh, just enamored with the fact that he is a Pharisee, and yet he's saying positive things and saying, you must be from God. And I would almost think that Jesus would have want to throw his, thrown his arms around him, embraced him, and made him a disciple. But Jesus didn't do that, did he? Jesus sees this man's real need. He sees that he's not a, a true believer. He has not had spiritual life. He has not been born again. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. And it's interesting that he, in a sense, it looks like he's changing the subject altogether. But I don't think he is because, again, verse 2, I think, ties in. Nicodemus is saying, I think you're part of the kingdom because I'm seeing what you say and what you do. And no one can do that apart from God. No one can do that. So I think the tie-in is here. Jesus is now saying to him, I want to tell you how you get to be a part of the kingdom. I want to point out to you that it isn't, it isn't the way that you think. So Jesus says again, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. No man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus takes him on a whole different plane of thought. Jesus told him that in order to truly see the kingdom of God, there's only one way, new birth, a second birth. And not only was this true of Nicodemus, the context clearly says no man can enter the kingdom unless he has been born from above. Jesus said no one could see it, meaning no one could even it could mean that no one could understand it, no one could visualize it, but certainly it means that no one can enter it and be there and be part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus, knowing the hearts of all men, he knows Nicodemus' heart as well. And though he's a religious leader, Nicodemus doesn't even know. He thinks he's fine. He doesn't even know he has a need. But Jesus knows he has a need. Jesus knows that he needs new birth. He needs to be born from above, and he proceeds to tell him about that. 
He was spiritually dead, but he thought he was alive. Think of that in, in just the human realm. Here's a man, he could be going to a doctor because of his, to get his annual checkup. And he can be thinking that he's been taking his vitamins and he's been doing exercises and he's fine. He is absolutely fine. But he gets to the doctor and the doctor takes his blood tests and the doctor gives him all kinds of testing and he says, I don't know how to tell you this, but within two weeks you will probably be dead. How would that man feel? He had no idea that he was even moving in that direction, that he was sick. And here's the doctor telling him, you're just days away from death. I'm sorry to tell you that. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you're dead. You're dead. Back in Genesis, the early chapters, Genesis 3, beginning with the fall, all men from Adam's sin from that time on, everyone born into this world comes into this world dead spiritually. Their inner man, their spirit. We were made in the image of God and the image of man. We have a physical body and inside of that is an inner body, an inner man that is spiritual. And because of Adam's sin, every individual, man and woman, coming into this world comes into it dead to God. No way to have fellowship with him. They can go to church, they can read the Bible, they can memorize scripture, they can make a pledge, they can walk forward in a, in a church meeting, and that won't save them. They are still spiritually dead. Even so, they may think otherwise. Well, when Jesus says this to him, look at what he says in verse 4. Nicodemus says to him, he's going to answer Jesus now in light of what Jesus said, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Well, Nicodemus didn't actually get the point, did he? He's thinking physically. He's thinking about human birth. And, and I'm sure he, he even felt like this was maybe a little humorous. Jesus, are you telling me I could go and enter my mother's womb and be born again? At my age? At my size? How big would she have to be? I mean, I, I don't, can't imagine what was going on in his mind, but, but he's trying to say to Jesus, I don't get it. I'm confused. What, what exactly are you talking about and Jesus goes on to explain to him in these verses that follow particularly verse 5 let's look at that now Jesus says truly truly he repeats it I'm not telling you anything here that's not absolutely true truly I say to you unless one is born of water and the Spirit, what will happen? He cannot enter the kingdom of God. There's the context. If one isn't born of water and the Spirit. Now, Jesus obviously, because he's living in the days before the New Testament, 
must have some Old Testament passages in view when he says this, right? Turn with me, if you would, to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36. One of my favorite Old Testament passages in verses 25 to 27. And Ezekiel is writing here in chapter 36, and he says this. Talking about the Lord and about things that will happen. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is what the Lord will do. And you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Oh, what a beautiful passage that is. Ezekiel talking or writing about what the Lord says is going to happen. He is going to cleanse them. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, unless you're cleansed by the water and by the Spirit, he's not talking about baptism or in some way getting cleansed by just regular water. He's talking about the cleansing power of the Spirit of God. He cleanses us from all sin. He makes us new. He changes us. And heart is just another one of those words in the Old and the New Testament that refers to the inner man. It's not the heart in the physical body that's in view here. You're going to be cleansed. You're going to be given a new heart. And the Spirit of God is coming to live within that heart and to give you power and to give you direction. Do you remember when David in Psalm 51 cried out in verse 10? Lord, create in me a clean heart. He had sinned and he was repenting. Create in me a clean heart. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses talks to the Israelites about having a circumcised heart. A heart, the old heart, that which we were born with, a spirit that was dead to fellowship with God, no life, that spirit that is in the, it, it makes up the inner man, the heart was to be cut away, the old heart to be cut away, to be circumcised, cut away, and a new heart put in its place. Circumcision of the heart. Moses wrote about this. He said, you need it, seek it. And that's why the Lord will later say to Nicodemus, you are a teacher in Israel and you know nothing about new birth. You know nothing about being born of the Spirit, that you're dead and you need life. How can you not know that, Nicodemus? Well, you can only not know it if you choose not to know it, I guess, in one sense. You either skip over it or the Lord hasn't revealed it. But Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you need new birth. You need to be born from above. The passage not only explains that all men need a spiritual birth, but it also explains very clearly, and other passages with it, 
that it has nothing to do with baptism. Some people think that you are born from above. You have a new birth when you get baptized after your faith. Do you ever read Acts 10? Peter's preaching to Gentiles in Cornelius' home, and many are coming. The Spirit is falling upon them and giving spiritual life to them. And then what does Peter say? Now we can baptize them. They already have spiritual life. It's not baptism that gives spiritual life, not even baptismal water that's been consecrated. That's not what the Lord is talking about. He's talking about the spiritual birth that cleanses. You remember also, not only in Acts 10, but in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, I I didn't come to baptize you, Corinthians. I I only baptized you, probably a couple of you. The Lord didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to what? Preach the gospel. Because it's through the preaching of the gospel that the spirit works in the heart of an individual and brings life through the preaching of the gospel. That's why Paul came. That's what Paul wanted to do and was trying to do. Furthermore, Jesus says it not only involves you getting new life, finally alive, coming alive, it also involves the Spirit of God taking up residence in you. He lives within every one of you that have been born from above, that have new life. Jesus is not here teaching something that Nicodemus shouldn't have known or couldn't have known. Nicodemus should have known it, and he could have known it. It's in the Old Testament as well as the New. No one in the Old Testament days could be born from above without God doing it and doing it alone, doing it himself. Do you remember when he called Abraham? He goes to the city where Abraham lives, and Abraham is worshiping idols, and he says, you come, you now are mine, and you follow me. He does that work in Abraham. He did that work in all of the Old Testament saints. They had to be born from above. They had to have a spiritual heart. They had to have a new inner man. All of them, every single one of them. And that old covenant background is clearly, clearly there. Do you remember 1 Corinthians? I'm going to turn there with you just for a minute so you can see a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians 2, beginning with verse 12. And I'll read this to you. Verse 12 to 14. And I'm sure you know them. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man, a man that's just fleshly, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. 
But he who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no man. Do you see what he's saying? Unless God first opens a man's heart, a woman's heart, unless he gives new birth and makes them a new creation, a new creature in Christ, they can't even understand the gospel. They, they, they just can't get it, and they will never get it unless he first opens their heart. There can't be any justification without regeneration. There can't be any sanctification without regeneration. There can't be any glorification unless one is born again from above and has a new spiritual heart. Now, I want to take a few minutes and go over some things that are good to remind ourselves of kind of in the, in the area of application. Jesus is making it plain to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you're talking to me. You're thinking that I'm a man of the kingdom, that you're seeing what I say, you're seeing what I do, and, and none of that could happen unless God is with me. I'm saying to you that no man, including you, Nicodemus, can get in that kingdom without a spiritual birth that only God does. Only God does. Every man and woman that have ever been physically born into this life have entered it dead spiritually. They entered it dying physically from day one. All individuals created since Adam. But they also entered it dead spiritually, dead. And the only way that they can know that they're spiritually dead is when God gives them life and changes them and makes them new through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit in changing them. Now, we are justified, declared righteousness by faith alone in Christ. We, we know that, correct? Nothing else. Faith in Christ alone saves Genuine faith. And genuine faith is only a result of new birth. People can express faith. As I said, they can be members of a church and they can be tares among the wheat. Do you remember the, the parable that Jesus taught about the wheat and the tares? They can be in the church, they can be going, they could even be leaders. They could be any number of things in a local church, be reading the Bible occasionally and maybe giving some assent to it. But they could still be tares. The tares grow among the wheat. And Jesus said, don't try to root the tares out now lest you, try, lest you do something evil to those who are wheat. But wait until he comes. He will sort that out. We, we lived in Kansas for seven years, and I pastored a Baptist church there in Kansas near Fort Riley. And that was the first time I'd ever been around farmers. I, I can still remember having meetings with church leaders, and I'd say, we're going to all meet on Tuesday night. Is that okay? And the farmers would say, only if it's raining. And I'd say, hold it. You're telling me you're only going to come to the church meeting 
Only if it's raining? They said, yeah, it's, it's wheat harvest. And every minute matters about getting that wheat out of the field. So if, if it's raining, we'll be here. But if it's not raining, we're going to be in the fields. And then I began to notice that in the fall, when the wheat harvest was ripe, riding by those wheat fields, being up on a hill, looking down, and seeing that not all, all of the wheat was golden. There's some green patches in there. Well, guess what? It's only at the harvest that you can tell what is wheat and what are tares. It's only the wheat in the spiritual sense that have had new birth and been born from above. Do you remember Ephesians 2, 8 to 10? For by grace you are saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, guess what the, that points to? I had to do a paper on that in seminary a few years ago. Write a paper on that. What does that refer to? That refers to, by grace, you are saved through faith. Even our faith is by grace. You can't understand unless you've been born again. You can't really believe unless you've been born again. You can express faith like I did at the age of 13 or 14. But I wasn't saved. I wasn't changed. Nothing had occurred in my life but walking up and saying a few words and then going on and living that same way for the next 10 years. Until one night, coming home from Lincoln Air Force Base, Nebraska, where I was stationed, to my wife, who was, had just been my wife for a few months at that time, came home one evening. And in those days, you know, we had black and white TVs. Remember those? and they could only be turned on by walking over to them and turning the dial. We had no clickers. So we ate dinner, and after dinner, I thought, well, I'll see what's on TV. And I went, and I turned the dial and clicked. And it was on a station that was broadcasting Billy Graham's crusade from Denver, Colorado, which I found out later there were a lot of Air Force Academy cadets there, and many of them went forward that night. Now, as soon as I tur turned it on, I'll tell you, here's my approach to this as I think back on it. I did not come home to watch Billy Graham. He was not on my agenda. I did not intend to turn the channel to, his st to the station that was broadcasting his crusade. But once I turned it on, he was just moments into his sermon. And I sat there, or stood there, whichever it was, and I could, not, I could not change the channel. I could not turn it off. I was caught up in what he was saying. It was like the Spirit of God was there speaking to me. And I listened to every word, every moment. And at the end of that, when an altar call was given, I went into the back room, our bedroom of the house there on the, on the Air Force housing. 
got down on my knees and thanked God for what he had done in my life in that last 45 minutes. And I was a different man from that day on. I immediately began to talk to Anne about these things, my wife. I immediately began to look for a church that would teach the word. I immediately began to look at my Bible. I immediately began to love the Lord and want to tell people what had happened to me. My life was different. It was changed. And it was all because that night, by the grace of God, nothing to do with me, God caused me to be born again of the Spirit and change my life. And I began to seek, what's your will for my life, Lord? When I was in Vietnam, I got down to the last month I was there, and I had been fortunate by God, went there as a believer, and I lived in a Christian servicemen center for the, almost the whole year I was there. Living with this family, having devotions at meals, hearing him teach the word two or three times a week. And all of a sudden, I began to pray, Lord, what is it? What's my gift? What do you want me to do? came down to the last month and I get a letter from the Air Force and it says, hey, we know that you're a reserve officer. I was ROTC coming into the Air Force from Virginia Tech. We know that you're reserve, but we have decided to give you a regular commission. And that's what I always wanted because I wanted to make a career out of the Air Force. But I prayed about it for that entire month and God made it clear to me. Decline the offer. You only have one year to go in the Air Force. Get out. You're going to seminary. And you're going to study to proclaim my word. And that's what happened. And it was all because of the grace of God. All because of his grace and giving me a new heart. I didn't deserve it. My mother, who was a believer, even told me before I went to Vietnam, she said, the Lord has shown me you're not going to Vietnam. But God had plans even in Vietnam for me to put me in this Christian servicemen center, to let me learn, to let me see what he had for me. He was leading from the day in Lincoln, Nebraska, when he gave me life, and I was born spiritually. He had me on a new course and has to this day. Have you been born again? Are you concerned about people in your, in your family that have not made a profession of faith? Let me share some things with you here that I think might be helpful. Some of us may have children or grandchildren or other relatives, nieces, nephews, cousins, that you know do not know the Lord. Normally what we pray for in that case, I think, is something like this. Lord, um, may they put their trust in you. Here's the way I pray since November of 1965 for people like that. I pray, Lord, 
would you give them a new heart so they can believe and really believe and really be sanctified, justified and sanctified and glorified. Lord, you've got to change them. I have relatives in my family right now, dear relatives, that have made a profession of faith, gone to some good evangelical Christian camps, and today have denied it all and are in liberal churches which don't even teach the gospel. They went through it all. They read the Bible. They prayed a prayer. But they weren't saved. They didn't lose it. They never got it. I am praying for them every day that the Spirit of God might do a work in their hearts. Here's some questions to ask, I think. And, and it's something we could even ask ourselves if we're struggling. But here's, here's some things that wrote, I wrote down that came to me. Ask them if there's people in your life that you're not sure about. Ask them these kinds of questions. Ask them, have you been born again? Bring that word back up into our history today. Have you been born from above? Was there a time in your life where Christ did a work in your heart through the Spirit and changed you? Ask them a question like that. Don't just say, well, did you believe? They could be tares among wheat and have prayed a prayer, signed a card. Ask them if they've been born from above. Ask them, has he begun to change you inside and change your life? Tell me about it. Tell me about your life today. Tell me how he's worked in you. Ask if they were ever truly repentant of their sins. And, and ask them to explain that a little bit. Ask if they sense that they have new power and new desires in them. Ask if they now love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and want to follow him whatever the cost is. Whatever the cost. Ask if his spirit witnesses to their spirit that they are children of God and heirs with Christ. Ask if they are overcoming sinful temptations in their life by the power of the spirit. And if they want to, if they're trying to, ask them if they are attending a church and are members there where that church is proclaiming, believes the word of God, and is teaching the word of God verse by verse to them. I fear for those who claim to be Christians and because of this whole COVID thing, are no longer in a church where they're hearing the word of God and growing every single day. I fear for them. I don't know what their reasons are, but they're not going to overcome the most important reason in your life as a believer. Be around other believers. Get the word. Grow in the word. Follow Christ wherever he leads. Whatever it costs, don't just say, did you believe? Yes, we are saved 
through faith alone. We are justified through faith alone. That's true. But also before we get to that, we are born again by God alone. We have new birth. There's a change in our hearts. We become a new creature in Christ. We no longer desire, as I did after this profession at about 13 or 14, you no longer desire to do the things that you used to do. You want to be among people who are different and growing and becoming like your Savior. There are lots of things that you could think about to ask. And know this, if you're not certain about where you are tonight, ask yourself some of those questions. If God is working in your heart as he did in my heart that night in November of 1965, watching Billy Graham on TV, ask yourselves, what do I do now? How do I live this out? How do I see the fruit that validates what I believe happened, that I had a new birth? You don't have to know the exact day. I don't know the exact day. I know the month. I know the circumstances. But you have to know that there was a time in your life when God made a change in you, and it was supernatural, and all of a sudden, you were a new creature in Christ with a hope you never had before, with desires you never had before, with power you never had before, with friends that were around you to encourage you to walk with Christ and live for him. Live for him. We need to bring this word back into our vocabulary today. We need to ask each other and others around us, have you been born from above? You know unless you have, you will not enter the kingdom of God unless you have life. And know this, brothers and sisters, God will not refuse life to anyone who wants it. In fact, he's the one that gave you the want to because I believe he's already given it to you, if that's the case. If that's the case. Last night, my wife and I were watching a little TV and I was out of the room and I came back and she had a PBS concert on from New York City with the New York City uh, orchestra there performing and with, all of a sudden my mind just went blank. Okay, I still didn't quite hear her say it. Bonicelli, yes. He was singing and some others with him. But you know the one song that brought tears to my eyes last night as I listened to him, and we heard him again this afternoon, the same program was on, was Amazing Grace. Listen to these words in the first two verses of that song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. 
and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. New birth is not just something on the periphery, something on the sides. To enter the kingdom of heaven, everyone who goes through those doors must have been born again. That begins the whole process. New birth. That's why David cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God. He can do it. Look at that as the beginning place. And everything else is to follow. Encourage one another in these areas. Talk to unsaved people about it. Talk to yourself sometimes and ask those questions. New birth is absolutely necessary to enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, tonight, as I've shared my heart, shared your word, I am so thankful. I will never cease to be thankful for that evening at Lincoln Air Force Base, Nebraska, when you opened my eyes to see when you convicted me of my sin, when you pointed me to your son through the message, when you opened my heart so that I could understand and put my faith and trust. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that, both grace and faith, are from God. It's not of works. It's not of anything we do. It's all by the grace of God. And I will be eternally grateful to you for what you did for me. And I pray that you've done it for everyone in this room tonight. Or if it hasn't happened yet, that you will. And that you would speak to their heart and do what only you can do. I thank you again for your amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I pray these things tonight for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.